What's up, gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another Data Protection Gumbo episode titled The Power of Backups, Availability, and Cybersecurity. To drop these valuable gems, I brought Dave Russell on the show. And Dave is a 30-year veteran in the storage industry and is Vice President of Enterprise Strategy for Veeam. And today, Gumbo listeners, Dave will be dropping some knowledge on backups, availability, and cybersecurity, and how to look at all of those aspects from a glass half full perspective, and how to embrace the cloud more rapidly, infrastructure as code, operations management, and the importance of refactoring legacy applications and how you can instrument those better and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. When disaster strikes, it's better to have a trusted partner. That partner is NetVPro. Before your files are encrypted with ransomware, NetVPro can protect and recover your data. Try out their white glove disaster recovery services today at 888-902-3250. Veeam is the global leader in backup that delivers cloud data management, helping you protect your data no matter what environment your company has. Flexible, always reliable, easy to install, and simple to run. Visit veeam.com to get started today. Welcome to the gumbo, Dave. How are you? I'm very well, Demetrius. It's great to be back, and I'm so glad you're doing the shows again. Fantastic. So you uh, came on the show uh, several years ago before I took an untimely hiatus. And I'm just really glad to have you back on the show. I think then you were were with Gartner, right? Yeah, that's right. A couple of years back now. And uh, what a difference a couple of years makes, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to have you on the show and to see what's going on with Veeam right now. I guess I can jump into the first question that I had, and that is, you know, really centered around COVID-19 and, you know, everyone wants to hear, you know, what's going on now that we've kind of been pushed into this new normal. So what are some of the lessons learned from COVID-19 around data protection and backup and recovery from your perspective? Yeah, you know, it's obvious, but I think it has to be said first, which is the massive work from home kind of experience that almost all organizations found themselves in, whether you're I know the vendor side or you're in the data center or you're just at work in any way, shape or form. And for, you know, a lot of us that have been in the IT industry, some amount of work from home, maybe even complete work from home doesn't come as a, you know, real surprise or real change. But for the vast majority of people, especially over summertime months where suddenly, you know, the children were home from school and then it was summer and then maybe you didn't have an sort of an ideal setup or maybe not a setup for every single person in the home. Meaning, you know, if if mom and dad and, you know, older children are trying to get through school, university, jobs themselves or whatnot, it's a pretty big shift for many people. But one last thing I would say is even think about the data center, you know, people like you and me and many of the people listening there, the work from home aspect or the ability anyway to do that wouldn't probably be very new for most of us. Although a lot of us went out and bought new gear, checked our internet speed, maybe we got a better camera, that kind of thing. But if you're a data center admin, you know, you are suddenly faced with the reality of maybe you cannot physically get back into the data center now. Mm, okay. And that that's the big shift that, that I see. So you, you can't physically get back into the data center. So you, you're saying that people enjoy 
physically going in, into the data center and being cold? Uh, well, I like to joke that that's how I got into this, um, being in Tucson, Arizona, where it's like 107 probably today wow. will be the case. So yeah, cold place, cold, dark place doesn't sound too bad with low humidity. But, you know, just thinking about the mechanics of how we do our jobs, what we might have to troubleshoot, new gear we may want to deploy, new applications, but new applications that might bring changes in networking. In other words, you know, there's physical things as well as, you know, logical software kinds of things that we could certainly do remotely. But a lot of projects I saw change. Now, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I, I mm -hmm. sort of am excited because I think, I feel like what I've just kind of mentioned sounds kind of glass half empty. Okay. But here's a glass half full. And I was lucky enough to be on a panel literally um, yesterday afternoon with a, a number of CIOs. Um, gosh, mm -hmm. I can't remember if they're like nine, ten. Let's call them like roughly just under a dozen. Okay. Several of them were highlighting how they pushed harder on continuous delivery, continuous innovation, DevOps. And many of them talked about pulling in projects or delivering accelerated projects for their internal and external customers months, quarters ahead mm -hmm. of schedule. You know, so instead of something that was going to be third quarter or fourth quarter of this year, it happened in April or it happened in May. And everything from chatbots so employees could get quick answers to concerns about maybe COVID-19 symptoms to wanting to understand what's the medical coverage that you've got internally, uh, externally. Customers, depending on what line of business you're in, you know, there was one from finance, people may want to check on their retirement. Right. And others were um, in the medical. There's several hospitals that were represented. Obviously, people looking for quick access, you know, to records. Who do I contact, you know, regarding certain symptoms? So the positive could hopefully be that this accelerated some activities that were ultimately going to be beneficial anyway. Okay, so I, I guess you you were sitting on that panel with with those dozen or so CIOs, and and they they mentioned the CI/CD pipeline, and it sounds like that they were moving the conversation toward infrastructure as code, and maybe yes toward APIs, and and just plugging into the entire uh, space around automating things, and just really moving from a manual way of doing things to having things more automated. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in some cases, there was a lot of conversation around cloud and multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, however we want to phrase cloud. And, uh, okay. you know, there is no one single concept of the cloud. It could be many different things. But the kind of common issue that many people faced is how do we get there and embrace various aspects of the cloud more rapidly? And to your point. Yeah, infrastructure as code, fitting in with other systems and operations management platforms that you may have. Um, I, I think one of my greatest takeaways, because I'm on the storage side, of course, and you know not on the operations side, although mm -hmm. we certainly interact in that world, but several of the more, I would call them advanced people there in terms of their organizations were further downstream in this activity. They both said essentially the same thing, which is, you know, you just have to kind of triage, you know, you don't wait and design the perfect, you know, either virtual whiteboard or back in the day when we all did get into a room and we whiteboarded for hours, you don't do that and just wait right. until you have what you think is the ultimate end state, like the Nirvana solution, right? What you 
really have to do is say, okay, Demetrius, mm-hmm. you've got this legacy application. I've got a zillion ideas about how we can refactor that, how we can take that to services, microservices, and how we can instrument that better. And you might be saying, look, this is an application that the business depends on. Obviously, I depend on this. I, I know how temperamental or brittle it may be. I'm not wanting to do complete open heart surgery. And so the, the storyline that was shared was, it would decide on the 50% that really must be refactored and decide on the 50% that you can live with just kind mm-hmm. of doing, whether it's lift or shift or just saying, we'll reprioritize that for a later downstream effort if we can get to it. So in other words, go for a quick win, um, not just to say, you know, do it rapidly and do it haphazardly, okay. but pick your battles. In other words, you know, don't, just wait until you can get everything the way you might perfectly want it to be, or you'll be waiting a long time. Yeah, great. And uh, I, I think that is very important as well. And also just kind of moving from the COVID-19 things, and there's a lot that's happening in the industry right now. And, and, you know, a lot of people are losing their jobs or whatever. And just alone in the backup and recovery professionals group that I run on LinkedIn, which has about 21,000 plus people in it. That's amazing. I am seeing a lot of people, uh, backup administrators, storage administrators right now, really struggling to figure out, okay, um, is this backup software that I have poured, you know, 15, 20 years uh, into, I guess, learning and skills and troubleshooting, et cetera, Things are shifting now a lot toward the cloud, and there's a lot of individuals out there looking for a position. Like, do, do you have any advice for them based on what you're seeing right now? Well, you know, I, I do, and, and it's, it's optimistic. It's, you know, the advice is that availability, you know, however we want to broadly define that, backup and recovery, replication, failover, long-term retention to some degree mm-hmm. fits in there. That is a need that is not going away. Right. Even when we go to the cloud, I mean, it's a little more nuanced and, you know, some people are still trying to get their head around it, meaning, oh, do I really have to back up my software as a service-based application? And, you know, the technical answer is you you probably do, you know, probably meaning if you want to get all of the service levels and all of the same experience and availability and services and timeframes, whether it's quick access or if it's long-term being able to get to that 120 days later, you know, you probably need to take special action. So even as we move more workloads to the cloud or more workloads become born in the cloud, you know, they truly are cloud native, Mm -hmm. the best practices of availability, you know, never go away. And I think last time I was on here a few years ago, I even referenced my wife who got into um, backup on mainframes Uh, before before I did. And every now and then we talk about, you know, here we are, whatever, 30 plus years later, Best practices are still best practices, yeah. whether it was something kind of insular like, you know, IBM mainframes, but obviously running, you know, mission critical workloads for sure, to today where we're highly disaggregated and certainly from a you know, work from home environment while simultaneously doing more in the cloud, whether that software as a service, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service. So taking it back to your you know, question, hey, there's data center professionals, backup and storage professionals Mm -hmm. concerned about what to do. I would say you're right to be concerned in that things are changing, but don't be overly alarmed that we're looking at job elimination. I think really we're looking at a situation where more and more organizations are going to have to learn 
unfortunately, the hard way if they don't recognize and appreciate the institutional knowledge and best practices that have been built up over really decades. Mm. So if you're that person, what do you do? I think you invest in learning tools and skills that are going to be increasingly more relevant in tomorrow's world while appreciating that all of what you've learned to date still has applicability. You know, those concepts for sure are the same, even if the syntax, even if the actual software that you're using to achieve those goals may change. Right. Okay. Um, I, I think that's great advice because it's kind of being like a like a boxer, right? You have to stick and move. And right now, if you are a backup administrator, what I'm saying is that you, you have to stick you know, to learning, let's say, public cloud, right? And AWS and GCP and Azure, making sure that you are well-versed in those things and maybe even going as far as getting a certification in, in one of the public clouds mm-hmm. right now, because those are like really, really hot skills to have. Just really being deep, like on one particular backup software, it's good to do that, but you definitely have to expand right now. So that's, those are the conversations that I am having just to kind of roll into uh, the security sector right now. Like how important is security right now? And what advice do you have for people that's trying to protect their data? Uh, I guess like C-suite mm-hmm. or any other types of executives, including from like ransomware. And if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge gumbo listeners, We have some more ingredients to share with you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Are you overwhelmed by that next data migration, data center relocation, or you need short or long-term staff augmentation? NetVPro is ready to partner with you. NetVPro provides IT solutions for data storage, backup, disaster recovery, business continuity, and security. NetVPro works directly with you, whether it's upgrades, network and server administration, desktop engineering support, or assistance with virtualization. Before disaster strikes or your files are encrypted with ransomware, the experts at NetVPro can help protect and recover your data. With three regional data centers across the U.S. already trusted with hundreds of terabytes of existing customer data, NetVPro's services are geared towards helping small to medium-sized businesses meet their productivity goals. Your initial consultation and quote is free. NetVPro is ready to partner with you. Please visit netvpro.com or call 888-902-3250. Veeam is the global leader in backup that delivers cloud data management, which entails backup and recovery, cloud mobility, monitoring and analytics, orchestration and automation, governance and compliance for all data. Veeam quickly grew to become an industry leader in data center backup and recovery, serving over 365,000 plus organizations. As the importance of data has grown to drive every aspect of the digital business, so has the need for solutions that can do far more than ensure its availability. Veeam makes sure that data is always available, protected, and actively working for your businesses across the globe. Regardless of where the customer's data reside, virtual and physical systems, SaaS and IaaS services, hybrid cloud or multi-cloud, their platform helps hundreds of thousands of companies keep their businesses running. Visit veeam.com to get started today. So Dave, we're back in now, and before the break, you were giving some optimistic advice to backup administrators about availability, backup and recovery, replication, long-term retention, and how it's a need that's not going away. 
So there's no need to worry, and best practices are still best practices. So for the rest of this episode, let's get into cybersecurity and ransomware. And somewhat unfortunately, I probably get more exposure to ransomware just by virtue of Veeam's customer support. We have a special dedicated group that we fast path um, people to when it looks like it's a, a cyber activity. And unfortunately, well, 375,000 global customers, somebody every day is having to contend with this. So coming into you know, Veeam's support. The, mm-hmm. I liked your C-suite notion. So um, where I'm at now, Veeam hired its first uh, chief information security officer just at the beginning of this year, who's a pretty heavyweight dude. Um, he okay. he wow. was a CISO prior at Citibank, so large financial mm-hmm. institution. Prior to that, he, from a cyber perspective, was in charge of protecting the United States' global Nash or global stockpile of nuclear weapons. Wow. Okay. Which is pretty much about as heavy duty. You know, you say Citibank, that sounds pretty major. You say global deployment of nuclear weapons, that really puts it in a whole nother ball game. But, you know, he talks through a, a NIST model for how to secure assets and environments. And at the end of the day, he's, uh, he told me, you know, it's no different whether it's a weapon, it's a transaction, or it's just a bit. Our goal is to make everything that we do less attractive of a target. And so it, it doesn't start with the presumption of, I will stop you no matter what, it, it's this increasing iterative approach of, I will close the loops. You know, I will make it more and more difficult. In other words, I will make my house less inviting of a, of a burglar than nearest neighbor. And then you refine on that and repeat on that. And, you know, from a cyber perspective, I, it'll be interesting to run the poll now, um, but we completed a global survey of Beam um, basically end of January. So this was, let's call it somewhat pre-pandemic in terms of a global awareness. But the number one 2020 concern amongst 1,550 professionals, largely, is mostly enterprise, um, and, but it was around the world, number one concern for 2020 was cyber, ransomware and cybersecurity. And I, I think it's because you, you can't control it. Not that you can control you know, other things in the data center, but, but you know how to respond to that. Meaning, you know, after decades, you know, Demetrius, if suddenly the whatever, the the water would have an issue, the water main breaks in a Texas server. And, you know, that, okay, you would know quickly what to do. It, this wouldn't be out of the norm for you. Well, cyber, we really don't always know, meaning that the nature of the attack, the, the implications of it, how visible it is, all these things, so many different threat vectors and variables so it, it's a great unknown. It's a great exposure. You know, I, I'll say one last thing, and then I'll turn it back over to you. But you know, you, you think about you think about the history no, of backup. I, I used to say, "Thank goodness we're backing up a lot and restoring a little," because that means it's a good day. Nothing yeah. bad happened where I didn't accidentally delete a file or save as, or that water main didn't break. You know, so that's all very very positive. But typically, every organization could be a little different, but on an annual basis, you might restore three to typically no more than 5% of your data at any time. And, and it could well even be lower than that mm-hmm. for organizations. That obviously could be higher if you're doing a bunch of large database refreshes, that kind of thing. But point being, let's just pick a round number like 5%. 
So that means 95% of what you're backing up, that data is not going to be restored, but ransomware comes along and all of a sudden the threat vector, the attack surface is literally potentially 100% of your data could need to be pulled back. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the fear. It's it's the unknown and it's the scale. It's the, it's the scope of the issue. Okay. Yeah, and I, I didn't hear you throw out that buzzword immutability at, at all. I don't know if you're holding back on me or you just decided not to use that word or, <laughs> or, or what's going on. You didn't throw around air gap. What, what's, what's your play right now? Yeah, it's, well, it's multifaceted, meaning let's look at the upfront. Um, you know, it's education. And it's not education just on backup software. It's, mm-hmm. it's education on systems and password management. It's actually supposedly tracing back 70% successful attacks start from an employee phishing incident. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have anything to do with you or me, meaning, you know, we didn't have a breach, you know, it it happens somewhere else, but then infiltrated our environment. So it's user education. We've got the, the, basically the head of our support SWAT team for cyber and he says, you know, my number one piece of advice is scare the living daylights out of your user community. So they're not going to click on that phishing scheme. You know, that mm-hmm. would be the number one best thing you could do. So, you know, part of this is upfront. It's trying to be preventive, trying to be proactive. It's so that's an end okay. user statement. There's, you know, delineation of roles and responsibilities and let's take backup software. Let's put pieces of it on different systems with different credentials, meaning a repository. It might be in one location or multiple locations, where meaning where you back up the data to initially. And to your point, that could be immediately immutable or transfer off to an object storage that's either public cloud or maybe an on-prem object storage solution that offers immutability. Uh, air gap tape. Last time we talked about tape, tape still has a, a oh, role yeah. to play in terms of being air gapped. And there's other ways, and there's obviously debates on how air gapped is air gapped, and can you actually do that electronically mm-hmm. and by fast yeah. network activity? You know limit your exposure, but still call it air gap. So there's there's these upfront aspects and then there's the downstream aspects. A couple of things that we do upfront as well, though, is we, we look for anomalous activity. You know, we look for high change rates uh, of data or something's different. Is that AI? You have like something built in? I, it is, but I honestly call it ML. I call it machine learning. Uh, okay. I know a lot of people kind of conflate or blur the two. Honestly, it's more heuristics based. So I would call mm-hmm. it call it ML, but it's looking for what's the anomalous, you know, activity there. And hey, suddenly your CPU usage went up, or or suddenly a lot of files are getting you know changed in terms of their type, maybe even encrypted. So there's that aspect, and all the way downstream to where we offered something about almost a year and a half ago now called um, Secure Restore. And mm-hmm. what's surprising to me is. Typically, the antivirus vendors within 24 hours have an antidote, have an antivirus signature to be able to contend with the threat. But the rub Mm, is, of course, you, me, and all the data centers in the world aren't necessarily up to date. So they still suffer from these vulnerabilities. But if you were to then take your backup data run it in an environment where you updated the antivirus uh, of your choice, then you could instrument Veeam just by a check but checkbox and a radio button to say, what would you like us to do? Meaning, 
let's restore this. Let's restore this fenced off so it's not network attached into production. Mm -hmm. And then just tell us, we'll invoke your antivirus software. Tell us if you want us to try to remediate the issue if we detect something or that your antivirus software detects. And if so, do you want us to keep going through the entire backup or do you want us to fail at first occurrence? And then you can do clever things like forensically keep it up but fenced off and go and look at it and, and inspect as well as prove to yourself that oh, my antivirus software did remediate against that. Now it's okay to bring that back into the, to the mainstream. But if I were to net all that out, I think there's education things. I think there's installation and ways that you set up your backup environment. And then there's the backup solution itself looking for anomalous activity and then the mm -hmm. ability to use whether it's air gapped or immutable which could be disk could be flash could be certainly could be tape could be cloud though with immutability support and then downstream your last line of defense is how do i sanitize how do i cleanse without reintroducing something into production so you you're hooking into the antivirus software is, is that what i heard yeah and what we do is we don't dictate you know, which AV uh -huh. software you want to use, we'll make the call to the antivirus okay. software and then we'll, we'll get, we'll understand the signal back of, you know, was something found and is it the first occurrence? And based upon, you know, the, the radio button, would you want us to keep going? In other words, keep trying to drive the restore, keep trying to have the antivirus software scan through the bits as they come back. Hmm. Okay. That, that sounds really interesting. Um, that you would actually, you know, be able to plug into the antivirus software. I never thought about doing that, but um, I'll, I'll probably have to um, take it offline and see how that actually works because um, that's that's a different angle. Um, I normally see it from other approaches that are that are taken, but the antivirus software is is one I, I haven't thought of. So that sounds very innovative to me. Um, I got to give you an even cooler okay. one really quickly because we. We came out um, February of this year with something we call a data integration API. Mm -hmm. So API, that's pretty self-explanatory. But all it means is you can instrument it. Let's say you, you don't want to do it by a, a wizard, you, which you could. But let's say you just want to feed it like PowerShell. Here are the 200 disk volumes that I want to mount. And you could do various things with that. One of them, though is that you could mount those backup disk volumes and use something like Meta Defender Cloud for even deeper scrubbing. Mm, okay. And so you could go to a cloud-based service with a, a multi-prong um, detection engine to be able to scan your, your Veeam backup data going through the API because maybe you, your view is we have, you know, I don't want to pick on someone, but let's just say antivirus X. Mm -hmm. We've got that, but you know, we know that not every AV solution is the same. You know, they some are different, some are better. Or we just want a secondary opinion. Let's let's go run Meta Defender, you know, which is a no cost solution out on the cloud. Yeah. But we've got to find some way to integrate the, you know, the backup data with that. Well, we can we can automate that process for you. So there's a couple of interesting things that that can mm, be done okay. even after the fact. Yeah, that that all sounds very very interesting. And like I said, I, I would love to dive more into that, um, but you know, we, we didn't talk much about like data portability and cloud mobility. Yeah. Um, those are some of the interesting and hot things right now. What, what do you think is important uh, right now being able to like take your data, uh, make it portable and, and go from like on-prem to the cloud? Yeah, I think it's critically important 
And, you know, I mean, I think it's essentially core to what you should be looking for in any kind of data solution, data management solution. You know, I'll give you sort of a personal mm-hmm. story, then we can put it into maybe like a broader data center context. But so I even me myself, okay. I use the same Veeam software. Ironically, it's the same Veeam software that uh, like a, a large bank with one instance of Veeam is protecting almost 20,000 VMs and eight petabytes of data. Wow. That same code or software is the same thing running on my Lenovo laptop. And I've got another copy on a, a server. But, you know, let's go back to you mentioned data portability. Mm-hmm. You know, that the thing that I like about the software is I, I happen now to write to, I rotate three little external SanDisk SSDs. And they go over USB-C, so it's it's fast. And this is at home. Uh, it's very, yeah, and, and not that expensive. Got them off of okay. Amazon, and um, and the reason I rotate them is I you know one's hooked up to the system, and then after backup, it self ejects. Mm-hmm. So that's another level of protection against ransomware. So I did the backup, but now logically the system can't get access to it since it's ejected the the USB port. Right. Uh, but then I rotate them. I keep one in a fire safe at house. And then back when we were all traveling, not far from my house where the dry cleaner was, was my yeah. bank. So I would take the third one and I would just rotate it in the security deposit box. What are you storing over but, there, man, to, to, to be doing all of that stuff? You know, nothing <laughs> nothing that has real value, okay. but sentimental value. So okay, meaning gotcha. music, movies, the kids' pictures, you know, my my files, the music that I made, mm-hmm. you know. Nothing that like you would say, well, that's, I just lost thousands or even, you know, millions of dollars. There's, there's nothing interesting in terms of, like, you know, a patent or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but go, let's go back to the portability. I can take that because it's written in a self-describing manner. I don't have to have the Veeam catalog to be able to read that. Meaning I could hand the drive to you and you could download, Veeam has free copies, no charge copies um, of every bit of software we've got so you could download what we call the community edition which is 10 instances for you know, perpetuity mm-hmm. uh, being able to use the solution and so you could then you know obviously i probably password protected it so i you'd have to know the credentials yeah. but other than that you could plug in the usb drive a fresh install of veeam download the community edition and be off and running here's what gets even better though mm. also on that drive uh, i i always put a copy of what uh, Veeam has, they call it an extract utility. And so think of it like a PDF reader. You know, if I just wanted to read a couple of files urgently, like where's that spreadsheet that has, you know, whatever important thing that I'm looking for right, right now, mm-hmm. and I'll worry about restoring everything else later. That simple extract utility means all I have to do is take that USB flash drive and, and put it into any computer, activate the utility, enter my credentials, and I can go and, and get access to it. So that's kind of a, a personal statement yeah here's a better one though so you know think about a a work context we let's mix a couple of these stories meaning the threat of ransomware Mm -hmm. hybrid cloud and then the notion of cloud portability and data mobility all right so we we had a canadian service provider uh, who got called in on a monday morning a very targeted attack it was really a nasty attack we actually detailed it at our Vmont conference about three weeks ago, we had the mm-hmm. service provider come in, obviously not mention any particulars for the business involved, but right. talked through what happened and how they got through it. 
And essentially what happened is all the printers started printing off ransomware messages every time someone tried to print something. So yeah, this wasn't a case of where like Demetrius and Dave can try to hide for an hour (laughs) and fix this. No, the whole company knew about it, right? Yeah, right. The gig was out. So they're trying to figure out how how to handle this. Long story short, everything on production's compromised. Wow. Everything. So what they were able to do because they backed up or sent backups to Azure, they were able to stream all of that back using a laptop, mm-hmm. fresh install of Veeam, no requirement on having the backup catalog or standing up a bunch of infrastructure first. And they were able to stream that data back in their case from Azure back on prem. And by Friday, they were done. You hear stories of ransomware taking weeks, months, sometimes to unwind right, from. Yeah. They unwound in about four and a half days, no data lost, no ransom paid. Well, I wonder how much something like that cost if they're streaming the data back from Azure. But I guess we're not Fair point. There is, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the egress was far less than the ransom right, and yeah. far far more palatable than we don't have our, our data anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's, that, that's an amazing story though. Under the circumstances, that is definitely something that customers really need, need to think about and making sure that they have their data in multiple locations, making sure they're able to uh, access that data. And unfortunately, if something like ransomware happens that, you know, you have a plan before it hits because I've heard that it's not if it hits, it's when it hits. Yeah. So it, it, it's going to happen one way or another. And, you know, I take my hat off to you for kind of having the home system all set up uh, in a redundant fashion and being able to kind of rotate drives, et cetera. But I am not set up that way. And I am a backup guy and I do not even back up my own data. So I don't even practice what I preach. So people laugh at me, but <laughs> it's something that Shoemaker's I do. Shoemaker's children. <laughs> I know, right? So, um, yeah, I've I've learned a lot, and I'm I'm hoping that the listeners have definitely learned a thing or two about you know the, the technology that 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 Veeam is using, and some of the stories that you shared were fantastic. Rolling into the final gumbo question, so this is the one that I ask everyone on the show, and each answer that I get back um, is is very different from each person. So. If you had a crystal ball, Dave, what does the future of data protection and backup and recovery look like for you? You know, for me, I, you know, I assert that availability and, and proper data protection is not going away. And even as we go to the cloud more, even as we embrace more software as a service. So if I were to look like half a decade downstream from now, what I would hope for is that protection is more innate it's less orthogonally bolted on after the fact and it's more ingrained in our minds when we deploy new applications when we deploy new capabilities i'm spending a lot of time preaching about hey whatever digital transformation is for your business it's going to include data and table stakes is you better make sure that data is available Secondarily, you know, the ability to mm-hmm. leverage that backup data for DevOps and, you know, forensic testing and analysis and analytics. You know, I think that's where I see data becoming or backup becoming more of a first class citizen and getting in the notion of data reuse becomes yep. 
important the, the notion of data portability and whether you're moving from on-prem off or in some cases even back or you're going from cloud one to cloud two or in some cases back the other way i think what i really see is more fluidity less friction associated with data okay. management you know in a perfect world nirvana which i think will take more than five years but nirvana to me would be if you know object-oriented programming you think of data as an object protection or backup and availability would just be an inbuilt method such that everything that was ever defined would know how to take care of itself would know how to back up itself again that's very mm -hmm. lofty i think that's more than five years oh, yeah. but i think it's a reasonable and you know ambition to strive for but in the next handful of years i'm optimistic for backup and recovery professionals because of the data management skills because of the decades of best practice knowledge that they've learned and you know you know how you learn knowledge demetrius you get bumped and you get bruised <laughs> so you learn the hard yeah. way and so those skills are oh, yeah. vitally important and i don't think they're going to be any less important in five years well i really love that answer and i think i wrote an article several years ago about the like autonomous data and data being self-aware of what it is and that data having the capability to back itself up, protect itself, and even recover itself. So it, it sounds like it sounds crazy, but if we have nanobytes and nanotechnology and quantum computers, I am for sure one day we will definitely have a different world when it comes to backing up and protecting data. So there you have it, Gumbo listeners. Uh, I really appreciate having you on the show, Dave. And thank you so much for being on Data Protection Gumbo. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Demetrius. Great to chat with you again. Have a great weekend to all the listeners out there. Stay safe, stay positive, and keep listening to this pod for sure. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I love reading your reviews on Apple Podcasts, so please keep them coming. And every review that you leave helps. So please also join our LinkedIn group, Backup and Recovery Professionals. And also check out our website at dataprotectiongumbo.com. So have a great week and see you next time.